Good morning, everybody, on this Wednesday of this wonderfully sacred and precious Holy Week. Uh, our title for today from Richard is How Much Did Jesus Know and When Did He Know It? And as I need to confirm, in case there are any newcomers, we are working with Wondrous Encounters, Scripture for Lent, written uh, a book written by Richard Raw. Our readings today are lovely readings, Isaiah 50, 4-9a, and Matthew 26, 14-25. I will read the commentary as usual. Today we have the third servant song for our first reading, which is a memorable set of striking images in an, op an open ear, a well-trained tongue that knows how to speak to the weary. I gave my back to those who beat me, my cheeks to those who plucked my beard, I did not shield my face from buffets and spitting. I have set my face like flint. That's Isaiah 50, 4-7. If this is ascribed to Jesus, as we Christians always have, then it portrays one who is totally subject to the human condition, all the way to the bottom. He is a good listener and speaker, but in the end his act is an act of trust that another will vindicate him with utter confidence that he will not be put to shame. The suffering servant here portrayed is a human being just like you and me. He does not know the outcome ahead of time or his confidence would be in himself and God to pull it off, which would then largely be a matter of the willpower of belief. Faith is so much more than strong willpower. In Matthew's Gospel text, Jesus certainly appears to know ahead of time that Judas is going to betray him, and as much as tells him so. But he also appears, appears to be saying that it is destiny or fate and foretold by Scripture. Is this foreknowledge the pattern of the suffering servant that he is referring to. We do not know for sure, although John sees it predicted in Psalm 41.10, where it says, Even my closest and most trusted friend who shared my table rebels against me, which he quotes 13.18. If this is the psalm Jesus is referring to, then the fuller meaning is clear. Yahweh, take pity on me and raise me up. Verse 41, 11. His victory is a dramatic reliance upon God, a mammoth leap of faith, not a superman stunt by a man who, who knows the full outcome ahead of time. We have done the believing community a major disservice by so emphasizing his divinity that his humanity was all but overridden. He did not really have to, faith, to live faith or darkness as we do. 
He knew everything from his youngest years, most Christians naively assume. Yet Hebrews beautifully calls Jesus the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. In Hebrews 12 verse 2, we cannot believe that his was a total, totally different brand of faith than the rest of humanity. Many scholars believe that it was only at the resurrection that Jesus' human mind and divine consciousness became one. Until then, he was like us in all ways except sin. And you can see that in Hebrews chapter 4 verse 15. Now I believe you are much better prepared to walk through the sacred days ahead with the Jesus who shares, suffers and trusts God exactly as you and I must learn to do. He walked in darkness too. So today's reading, um, excerpt from reading Matthew 26, 20 to 22. When it grew dark, He reclined at table with the twelve. In the course of the meal, he said, I tell you solemnly, one of you is about to betray me. Distressed at this, they began to say to him, one after another, Surely it is not our Lord. Right, let's go back and see what we can make of this. So what I see here is... um, Richard Raw using these scriptures to emphasize to us the humanity of Jesus. Jesus, God sent his son, Jesus, to the earth as a human being. He experienced life in the same way as we do. He experienced pain and anxiety and fear and grief. Remember when John died, John the Baptist, his cousin, Jesus experienced grief, anger. He experienced the full range of human emotions and experiences whilst he was here during his 30 years as a human being on earth. We cannot set Jesus up on a pedestal as a divine God and say things like we can never be like him because he was divine. Jesus came here to set us an example of how to live our lives and we can and must follow in his ways so that we can eventually sit at the right hand of God and receive his amazing eternal salvation. So Richard emphasizes that um, Jesus was totally subject to the human condition. Yes, there were times when he knew what was going to happen. He knew God's plan for him. It wasn't a very pleasant plan in this Passion Week. 
But by knowing that, he wasn't able to turn anything around. And so the one thing that Richard doesn't emphasize and that I hear coming through this passage over and over again is Jesus' obedience and surrender and humility to God. It reminds me, it takes me back immediately to um, Mary's Magnificat, which I'm sure I've mentioned here before because it's just one of my favorites, uh, where she so humbly accepted her fate. She knew what was going to happen to her. And it was something that would have been very traumatic in those times. Women who got pregnant before marriage were usually stoned to death. It was certainly an enormous social disgrace. She also had to wonder about whether Joseph would leave her. But she accepted these things, pondered them in her heart, as we are told, because she knew that this was what God had in mind for her. She would accept and surrender and endure all that he had ahead for her. And by faith, she knew that whatever happened to her needed to come about. And Jesus is doing a similar thing here. He is about to be, to be killed, to be um, crucified on the cross. One of the worst, cruelest ways of death that you can possibly think of. It was also reserved for the lowest of the low. So even the type of death that Jesus uh, experienced was demeaning. The whole experience of the cross was meant to totally demean Jesus. But of course it didn't. The ending of the experience on the cross and the resurrection of Christ did anything but to demean him, but revealed him without question as the Son of God. Okay, so in Matthew's Gospel, this theme of um, surrendering and and knowing uh, knowing what will happen, understanding the things that were foretold by Scripture, um, and and foretold and, and understanding his mission on earth, why he was sent there, and. Again, it's this foreknowledge um, that we see. Even he brings up the subject of Judas. And even although Judas denied emphatically that he would never um, betray him, he already knew that he was going to betray him. Judas knew that he was going to betray him. And Jesus knew. But it didn't change anything. And it didn't even change anything when he shared that with his disciples at the Last Supper that he knew 
that someone, and he identified Judas as bread because he, he broke bread with him. <clears throat> I'm sorry, he, I'm not sure that he broke bread with him or he, or he, uh, he didn't. He might not have, that might have been the way he identified him. I apologize for that, but I haven't looked it up to check. I'm sorry about that. Um, I'll check and I will comment on it tomorrow. So all in all, his uh, victory, Jesus' victory, is a dramatic reliance on God, a mammoth leap of faith. It's not a Superman stunt. It is Jesus' walk through his life, uh, walking in the way of God, is a superhuman profession of his faith and his obedience to God. And one of the things that uh, uh, Richard mentions here that I know I'm going to find difficult to express is that faith in Jesus is not just something that we turn to when we are in trouble. And it's not a case of getting up every morning and willing ourselves to do the things that we read or we know or we are taught we need to do um, to be a Christian. No. Faith is much, much bigger than that. Faith is the enormous and infinite embrace of God and all that he stands for, all that he believes in, all that he is, all that he tells us. It is a complete and utter surrender to God, not because we have to, but because we are in that sacred flow of being with God. And I don't know if I've expressed that well, but I hope that I have. We are in a symbiotic relationship with God. We do not walk with Him because we have to. We embrace Him. We hold His hand. We love Him in the way that He loves us. That is faith. That is not willpower. Willpower is an earthly thing. It's a a stressful, um, energy-absorbing exercise. Faith in God is a complete, complete giving over of anything that stresses us. A complete feeling of being supported as if we are floating in a sea of love of God. I I hope I've managed to get some of that through to you. Forgive me if if I've come short there.
Um, so uh, Hebrews in chapter 12, verse 2, beautifully calls Jesus the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. So anything that we didn't know, anything that we were unsure of, we didn't know how to behave or what to do, what dis- discernment and wisdom that perhaps we didn't have, Jesus portrayed that for us in his 30 years on earth. I have um, a friend who always says to me in sort of a, a, a moment of discernment on how to react to something, she says, she will say, what would Jesus do? And that is exactly why Jesus came to earth. So we would have that example to look back on and guide the way we live in this world. And my goodness, don't we need some moral and spiritual guidance in this world today when everything is falling apart around us, even the moral fabric of our society and cultures across the world. And I think I'm going to leave it there, uh, folks, and I hope that you've enjoyed that. His last paragraph is um, significant because he, he says there what I've just said to you, that this passage that we've shared today will make you better prepared to walk through the sacred days ahead. And I think he's referring to the Passion Week, but I think he's also referring to our lives in their totality as well. So we walk with the Jesus who shares, suffers and trusts God exactly as you and I must learn to do. He walked in the darkness too. So I'll read your start of prayer. Faithful Jesus, your faith was tried just like mine, but even more. Yet you trusted that you would not be put to shame, and into God, God's hands you entrusted your spirit. Give me courage to do the same in the time of trial. Remember the moment of Jesus' death, his worldly death on the cross, he lifted, he lifted himself to God um, spiritually and said, Into your hands, Lord, I commit my spirit. And that's what we must say. All the time, maybe every day as we go through our lives, every moment when we require to access God's wisdom in our lives. We hand over into your hands, Lord. I commit my spirit. Amen.